0: You know, over the past several years, uh, many times on, uh, on the last Sunday of the year, I would uh, sit down and share a message called the chair. And I think it was appropriate because those last Sundays of the year are a transition into the future. And I thought for that reason, we as a church are preparing to transition into a new future. I thought it would be an appropriate message to share here today as the last of my official sermons here as your pastor and so the, the title of this sermon is simply called the chair you'll notice that i have two chairs here <laughs> so i'm going to be inviting a very special guest to come and join me here in just a few moments but first of all i just want to describe for you a little bit more about my chair okay I got this chair back in 2012. I've had other very special chairs over the course of my life. But I will say that this has become that special chair, and it's it's one of the great gifts of my life. Uh, I've created a special space around my chair. If you were to go into my office where this chair has been located for the last several years, uh, you would see on one wall I have pictures of several authors who's with quotes who have had just great influence in my life over the years. And then on one other wall, I have some portraits of Middle Earth and a special portrait of the Shire, the, a map of the Shire. Now, for of, you of you of those who are Lord of the Rings fans, you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? And I became sort of a Lord of the Rings addict, and I think Jill thought I just got... She thought I was, actually thought I was living in Middle Earth or something like that. So, but I'm okay, all right? I haven't lost my balance. I'm all right. But I do like the Lord of the Rings. And I even have a figure of Gandalf perched up on the top of my bookshelf looking down on me. So, uh, anyway, uh, I have this lampstand. This is the actual lampstand, okay, from my office. I want to make special note of my favorite coffee cup as well. Coffee tastes better in this. It's from Powell's Bookstore out in Portland, Oregon, I don't know if any, any of you have ever been there. It occupies a whole city block. It's about three stories high, and it's like a paradise if you like books. And, uh, and I do. So I've been there two or three times, and I, I try to drink my coffee out of that cup as often as I can. Uh, so what I'm trying to tell you is this, that my cha- chair, is, a, is very important to me, okay? And my chair even has a name. I don't know how many of you name your chairs, but this one has a name, and it's a really long name. So I'm gonna read it for you. This is my thinking, reflecting, praying, scripture meditating, heart-stretching, mind-stretching, focusing, planning, prioritizing, facing struggles, wrestling with doubts, attitude checkup, keeping sanity, Gaining perspective, overcoming worries, facing fear, failures, inadequacies, and disappointments, and facing blind spot chair. It's a long name. But above all, okay, all right. Above all, it is my meet with God chair where the Lord helps me process and resolve all of that list of things I just told you about. Uh, My chair time the importance of chair time. It got started way back when I was in college preparing to be a pastor, so that would have been way back in 1966. A lot of you weren't even around then, I know that. Uh, A few of you were. Back in 1966, one of my professors, his name was Walter Butler. uh, he was talking about Psalm 46 verse 10 one day, and it's a very simple statement, but so profound be still and know that I am God. And so it, it just, I, I realized that there are certain things we will only ever know, and they are the most important things, by setting aside time to be still and to be quiet with God. I know that's hard to do in an accelerated world like we live in. You know, one of the coolest cars that I think is out there right now is the Dodge Charger. Any Dodge Charger owners in here? (laughs) Dale Shue, I know Dale Shue, okay, all right, okay. All right, now. uh, Oh, I I wanted to toss in here too, just so Jill would know. I'm I'm not thinking about buying a Dodge Charger. (laughs) I had my midlife crisis about 20 years ago, so I'm good. Our forward, forward focus—it'll get us around just fine. Just fine. Okay, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm not going into retirement and you know losing it or anything like that. So, but I did learn this on Google, where you learn everything, right? Uh, that a Dodge Charger can go from zero to 60 in 3.4 to 6, 6.4 seconds. Is that right? And uh, Google says so. I don't know. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is our lives in this world have just seriously accelerated. You know, we get up in the morning, we rev up our engines, and then we squeal our tires metaphorically, <laughs> and we go into the day, we keep those engines revved up, and we rev up till the end of the day, and we shut the engine off. And so the Lord is telling us if we live our lives at full throttle all the time without any quiet time then we're going to miss that kind of deep knowing that only comes in one way and that is being still in his presence and that's why I think chair time for every follower of Jesus, or whatever your particular version of chair time might be. I'll say more about that in a minute. But finding time to be quiet and still and decelerated, I mean, I'm not even sure if that's a word, decelerated in the midst of this fast-paced life, it's gonna, it is one of those core transformative practices that I believe believe must be a part of every follower of jesus life now let me say a couple more things about the importance of the chair Uh, number one this is also the chair where i hold some of the most important meetings of my life with people even when they're not in the room because what i will often do is i will pick up my The picture, my family picture that I have on my desk in in, in the office, I'll pick that picture up early in the morning when I'm sitting in my chair, and sometimes I'll even pick it up and pace around my office. And so what I do is, in God's presence, in the quiet of His presence, I have conversation with Him about each member of my family. And so the impact and the far-reaching influence of of chair time with God, it reaches out into the lives of our loved ones and has profound impact. Now I also pray for you in my chair. And your faces come before me because I know where you sit every Sunday. And so I can think about Calvary, you know, Calvary, section by section by section, and I can sit in my chair and I can pray for this church family, and that's been a big practice. I believe prayer is foundational to all that God will ever accomplish through us in his kingdom. Uh, This is also a chair where I've gotten to know one other guy much more deeply, and that's myself. the Holy Spirit has brought to my awareness many, 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 many times things that have been buried, hidden, blind spots, areas where I need to grow. And so as I read scripture, as I open my heart to the Lord, God has probed my heart. And so I've, here's one thing I've done in this chair an awful lot of. I've done a lot of confessing in this chair. Uh, just repenting, just, Lord, you know, opening my heart to God. Uh, and a lot of times, the image I have when I'm seated in my chair is I think of myself as like some old fixer upper house that a person goes out and buys for the purpose of renovating from top to bottom. Just complete renovation. Uh, I was down downtown Lamont the other day, I don't know if Tim's here today, anywhere, but anyway, uh, Tim is renovating the old Budnick building downtown Lamont right now, and he's renovating it from top to bottom, so I got a chance to go in there and take a tour, and that is literally a construction site, but so here in the middle of all the sawdust and the uh, the plasterboard that's being sawn into and the floors that are being repaired, I can already see the, the beauty of what is emerging in the Budnick building as that place is being remodeled, it's going to become some beautiful apartments down there. Uh, But, you know, it's a construction site. And what I know about Christ and what I know about myself is for 70 years, I've been a construction site. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit is the site manager. And he's working in my life. And if I live till I'm 90, he's got 20 more years of construction to keep (laughs) doing. Because it's not over until that great day of the resurrection when finally the Holy Spirit can step back and say, oh, wow, okay, the job is done. And, uh, and then we all stand whole and complete, radiating in full beauty the character of Jesus Christ, which is, which is the prize of our high and holy calling, isn't it? Isn't that the thing that is at the heart of this all, the prize? It's to become conformed to the image of the Son of God. And that's what God's doing in our lives right now. And so when I've sat in my chair, I have received oceans of grace from God outpoured. Uh, He's taken blind spots in my life, brought them, in other words, he goes down into the basement, (laughs) okay? Sometimes in our houses, we never go down to the basement. We can forget what's even down there. It could be there for years in the darkness, way back in some dingy corner. Well, the Holy Spirit, when he renovates a house, when he renovates a life, man, he goes to every room. And he's been down in my basement. And he'll bring things up out of the darkness there that I I didn't even know were there. Those are the blind spots in our lives. And we all have them. And he brings them up to the surface. It's painful. I don't like... My first reaction when I see a blind spot is to argue my way out of it. I even argue with the Lord. Lord, I... I'm not that blind. Well, I finally come around to say, yeah, <laughs> okay, Lord. I've been blind. And it's when, isn't it when we, uh, that comes back to confession. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was part of what? The confessing church. Uh, it's, the, it's the first principle of all Christianity. Of the king, Jesus said, repent, confess, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We can't even get into the kingdom of God apart from confession. And we live our lives out until the closing day of it by living a heart of repentance and humility and a spirit that's ready to confess so that, we can, so that this renovation project can keep going forward and we can show more of the character of Christ. I just throw one caution in about chair time with God, this per- taking personal time with God. And that is that Satan will try at all lengths to sabotage your chair time, in order to make it about you. (laughs) And that's always what Satan's strategy is, isn't it? He he will even try to take the holy things of God, our Bible reading, our, our practice of prayer, our practice of having chair time, Satan will try to take that, and he'll sabotage that and recast it and reframe it as though, Jim, what a holy guy you are. What a very, very spiritual person you are because you have your quiet time with God. But the moment that happens, he's pulled off on me the same thing he did with all those Pharisees who had lots of chair time with God. They knew their Bibles inside out, but it didn't affect their hearts because, they, because Satan had sabotaged it into, it's all about you looking like a really religious guy. Well, that's our big disease, isn't it, as Christians? Uh, here's, here's the cure for that disease. And you know, David, who wrote Psalm 139, I think God revealed this to him in his chair time with God, as he did many of the other Psalms, which I'm going to say a little bit about in a minute. But here's what David says about how we should approach God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. What a prayer that is. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxieties, my fears. And then I like this line. Point out anything in me that offends you. Can you imagine a prayer like that to God, who in his absolute pure holiness is there in that room when we're seated in our chair with him? And we, we can pray to him and mean it? Lord, search my heart. And if you see anything in there that offends you, Lord, hey, I repent and I lift it up to you. Search me out. Change me. Help me to be more like your son. And then it says, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If we come to God in quietness with that prayer, it'll change the whole trajectory of our future. Here and in eternity. So, setting aside chair time with the Lord is one of those remember this things that I want to leave with the Calvary Church family. Now, for me, my best chair time is early in the morning. I'm a morning person. I know some here aren't. Uh, so, whatever your context it is, whatever the rhythm Of your life might happen to be I'm just encouraging you today to find that place where it's you and the Lord and make that a practice in your life now for some people it might not even be a chair it might be walking around a room pacing before the Lord or it might be out walking with the Lord you know the two men on the road to Emmaus after Jesus resurrection they took a walk with him several miles down the road you know at the end of that walk what they said man, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us along the way? You know, so the Lord, so walking with whatever your time with God is, set that as a priority and as make it a practice in your life. Now, I'll just say a word about this, and I've also put this on a sheet of paper on the uh, information desk out there today, a little bit about how I go about my chair time, what it consists of, and it's really simple. It consists, first of all, of a cup of coffee, okay? Secondly, <laughs> I don't mean to say this is the highest priority, okay? But, but the coffee's there, okay? So I will begin with worship. And Now, I might be singing to the, I might sing a song to the Lord, usually not out loud sometimes. Uh, I, uh, or I just begin telling him, I just begin telling the Lord all of his qualities. And you know what? That changes my whole perspective for the day. Uh, And then I'll take some time in the scripture. And if you're just beginning, uh, I would suggest highly the New Testament. Start there. And work your way through one of those books of the New Testament, you know, a chapter at a time maybe, or half a chapter at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by this. And then uh, reflect on that, Re- reflect on what you've read for just a few minutes. What is that telling me? Then I, I keep a journal, uh, write some insights down, then I just take time to pray and say, Lord, um, you know, I, I begin to pray for the kingdom of God, I pray for the large picture, and then I will move it more to a personal kind of prayer. Uh, then uh, I, end, I wrap it up with worship once again. If you're just getting started in this, A time 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, that might be something that will grow to uh, 30 minutes or whatever. But, you know, don't be overwhelmed by it, but just start start somewhere. If you haven't already, I want to encourage that. And I would throw this in, too. And this has been important to me uh, all the years of my pastoral ministry. I think the Lord placed a great burden on my heart for this. uh, Because I came to Christ when I was in third grade. And there were people around me in the church I grew up in who valued children. And I was one of those. And, and in that context, a missionary came to the church one night, and he said, anyone here want to receive Christ? And that was, uh, I was one of them, and I did. Third grade, it meant a lot to me. It really did. Uh, and then what happened was uh, I got into my junior and senior high school years. I've told you this before, but I'm making a point. Uh, I drifted. I began to drift from my faith and fight God a little bit. And uh, I just want to talk to youth, junior high students. I know our children are downstairs today. Uh, I I just want to be, I want to go on record as an old guy (laughs) who's 70 years old. But I, I remember when I was 14, 15, 18, all that stuff. I just want to go on record as saying, if you make Jesus Christ the foundation of your life, you will never regret that. I drifted. I fought it. Pretty hard. I just want to encourage our youth, don't, I understand questions and ask the questions. Ask the hard questions. You're allowed to. Jesus doubting, he had Doubting Thomas, one of his, you can ask the hard questions. Do it. The Lord can answer. He can handle all the hard questions we have. There's plenty of room, like I said last week, there's plenty of room for our intellect and our questions in serving Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But don't, don't drift away from him. I just want to encourage that. Then, uh, then I've got to move on here. Um, so, let me go here then, and this is going to, this begins to wrap it up. Uh, David uh, is an example of a man who uh, had a quiet time with God. He was a very busy person. He had a kingdom to run, to run, but he made chair time a priority, and one of the things that Samuel the prophet observed about David, he writes it in 2 Samuel seven eighteen. He says this, David sat before the Lord. Doesn't sound like a very important thing, but David sat before the Lord. He evidently had a chair, uh, and it's, Stated as though it was a pattern in his life. And you know what came out of that? Well, who wrote, most, who wrote the greater number of the book of Psalms, that most reflective, meditative book in the entire scripture? David did. When? Probably as God moved upon his heart when he was sitting in his chair and when he was in his quiet time with God. And so we have these psalms where David pours out his soul, his struggles, his sorrows his failures his confessions his love his worship his praises all of that in the book of psalms and one of those psalms that the spirit led david to compose as he sat before the lord is psalm 37 which is especially relevant for all of us here today because god gave a david a deeper awareness and confidence about how to face the future in psalm 37 which is what all of us are doing here today because we're in a transition moment as a church. We're facing a new future. Jill and I are in a transition moment. We're facing a new future too. So what does David tell us here? Well, the first thing the Lord taught David in Psalm 37 about facing the future is to repeat three times this short statement in verses one, seven, and eight. Do not fret, <laughs> okay? don't worry. Now, that's hard to do because the future is different than the present, and we don't know what is out there in the future. So, th- when, when the scripture says, don't worry, does that mean uh, just ignore or live in denial about fear or pain? No, it doesn't mean that. I think what it's saying is this, don't give up in hope, or don't give up your hope, don't give up in despair. Uh, the future Well, let's say it this way. Jesus is walking on into the future. And we want to walk with him. That's where he's headed. And uh, it's not a future without pain. It's not a future without curveballs and struggles. But the Lord gives David and us three stabilizing focuses with which to face the uncertainties of the future. Here they are real quick. And then we'll look briefly, real briefly at each one. Verse three, trust in the Lord. Verse four. Take delight in the Lord. And verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. First, trust in the Lord. What is that? Well, maybe the Lord was saying to David, David, remember when you trusted me when you were a young guy facing Goliath? Remember that day? And I came through. Well, David, will you trust me as you move into your future uh, with the same kind of trust that you had for me in the past? The Lord is trustworthy. Number two, Take delight in the Lord as you move into the future. Now, we might say, well, how is that possible? I mean, there's uncertainty. Can uncertainty and delight coexist? Well, I think they can, and here's the reason why. And as I said it a moment ago, the Lord is the one who's going with us into our future, and as we do, he's promised to never take his eyes or his attention off of us for one second. Listen to what the Lord says in Psalm 139. And let this sink in. We can can walk into the future with someone who's paying this kind of attention to us. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. And then he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you're still with me with someone accompanying us into the future who is so attentive, and that person happens to be the God Almighty, the the Lord God of all things. He's with us. We can walk with assurance. We can take delight in the one who's going with us into the future. He's there for us, and he's with us. And then thirdly, commit your way to the Lord. Uh, To me, this means simply trust the Lord to hold the pen as your story is written, including the next chapter. Because the Lord is a skilled author, and each chapter he writes is a movement forward in his plan toward his good. So the question is, can you trust the Lord with the pen to write the story of your next chapter? I believe he's a trustworthy author. So let's just all remember this, and let's take confidence that the pen is in his hand for your personal story and for the story of Calvary Church, and I believe it's gonna be a bestseller, okay? And and then I want to say this, that Jill and I are so very grateful to have been part of the chapter from 2001 to 2019, halfway through, (laughs) okay, a little more. It has been a joy of our life and a privilege of our lives to be a part of of this chapter. And we really are excited about the next chapter that God has to write here. And honestly, and it's not, I'm not just saying this because this is what you should say, when you're retiring, I'm saying, I believe the greatest chapter for this church is right in front of this church. I do. I believe this church is poised for great to do for God to do great things into the life of our community. I believe that with all my heart. So as we begin to sort of bring this to a closure right now, I am going to ask uh, my special my special guest, my wife Jill, (laughs) if she would come. Are we on? Am I on? Let, me Let me see it. There we go.
1: I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. I have just a few things that I would like to share today. Man, I love you guys. Love you so much. The first thing that I would like to share is that I want to thank the ladies. I don't know who was all on the committee, but that was a wonderful, glorious, overwhelming party we had last week. I never dreamt. I never dreamt what was going to happen happened, and I felt like I was a deer in the headlights (laughs) the whole (laughs) evening. I could barely speak, and I wanted to make sure every woman that was there, knew how much I appreciated them taking time on a Friday night, a busy week, to come out and spend that time with me. So thank you all so very much. Another thing that I would like to share is that I want to thank the elders. I want to thank the leadership council, both who have served in the past and who have served in the present. I want to thank you for your wisdom, your vision, your prayer, and your guidance here at Calvary Church. You have been both men and women of great integrity, and I have been honored to be a part of
0: Technical difficulties, we'll be right with you.
1: to be a part of this congregation. Another group of people that I would like to thank, and that is the pastoral staff, the office staff, and the maintenance crew, whom I have served alongside. I wanna thank those who have been here in the past and those who have been in the present in these positions. I want to thank you for your commitment to the vision that God has given to this church and to the leadership. I want to thank you for your love for the body of Christ here. To see the love has just been overwhelming. We've been family here. We've been family. And I have been honored, deeply honored to serve alongside of you. The next group of people I would like to thank is the congregation. I want to thank you for letting me be me. I have not been an upfront person, I've been a behind the scene person. And I want to thank you for saying it's okay for you to be who you are and serve in the capacity that God has placed on your heart to serve. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be me. I want to thank you for trusting me in your times of joy and in your times of sorrow. We've been doing life together for the last 18 and a half, 19 years. And life is hard. And we've laughed together. We have cried. We have been family and thank you for receiving us as your family. Years ago, I became acquainted with an author by the name of Oswald Chambers. He made this statement. He said, my determined purpose is to be my utmost for his highest, to be my best for his glory. I have that on my refrigerator. I look at that every day. My determined purpose has been to bring glory to the Lord Jesus for his kingdom. And for 49 years of ministry, we have done everything we could to know Christ by having our chair time and to make him known to three congregations. We were in a church plant for the first eight and a half years of our life. And I learned so much those first eight and a half years. Then we were in a position of uh, a staff person. So we've served in that capacity too. And now we've served in the capacity of the senior pastor. And um, these three congregations that we have served, we have loved them. In those congregations, we have taught the word, we have been faithful to prayer. We really have been. We have trusted the Holy Spirit to do his work, not in our time, but in his time. We continue to trust God for that work to continue Because we have prayers that have not been answered yet. We have believed God for some mighty things. We will not quit believing him for those things. And I would just want to say one final thing. The other night, the ladies gave me a beautiful, beautiful window. And on that window, they placed What is my favorite scripture verse, and my favorite one, and I have claimed this, I have claimed this, and I have claimed this, is found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. I have chosen to take prayer so serious in my life. I have chosen to take God at his word. He is worthy of my trust, and he put a burn, a deep burn in my heart for people. That burn has not left, though today we hand a baton another pastor who will be coming. I know God has a future so great for Calvary Church but now is our time to walk into the future that he has prepared for us. It's hard to leave you all and we're still friends, remember that. We're (laughs) still friends and we will have coffee and we will be back time to time, from time to time but we are so happy you, so deeply happy for what God is going to do, but now we walk, we place that baton into the next pastor's hand and say, we have run the part of the race that you have asked us to do, now it's time for the next one to come and do their part. God bless you all, love you, love you, love you, love you, I can't say it enough.
0: <laughs> no words. OK. All right. Thank you so much. And I just want to wrap up what Jill has said, just a couple things to, to throw in uh, and I want to say the first to Jill uh, I've been the one who's been up front for 49 years, I've been the one in the pulpit teaching and preaching most of the time, I tried to get Jill up there more often, I couldn't <laughs> but she did come today uh, but I just Jill has been behind the scenes, my counselor she's been my encourager, she has been my inspiration, she's also been the one that's kept me in balance, and, uh, and a million things more I can suggest, and I just want it to be known that I could not, would not have ever wanted to make this journey in my life as a follower of Jesus or as a pastor with anyone other than Jill Jennings, <laughs> Jill Elling Jennings, and I am grateful that in 1962, when I was in a study hall, and Jill just wanted to know my name, that's all. There was no other interest. She wanted to know my name, that was it. Well, she stole my heart. <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually, uh, she returned the favor. And uh, so I, I'm just grateful to have, I'm grateful to be on this journey with Jill. I'm, v- I, I, I'm so grateful for that. Secondly, I wanna say something to my kids. Uh, my kids have also, made this journey and as I have grown older I realize, and I wrote this out that though a dad could not love his children more deeply than I have always loved my kids I did not always navigate as a pastor that role between being a dad and being a pastor as well as I could have but it means everything in the world to have each of my kids in this room today. And I am grateful for each member of our family that's in this room today, such a support and strength to us. I wanna say something about our pastoral team as Jill did. I'm grateful for the pastoral team members that have served here. Like I said earlier, this is not a one person act at all. This is a team effort. I'm grateful for the present pastoral team, for Pastor Chris, and Randall, and Heather, and and for Julie in our office. Uh, I know it's difficult difficult for a team to step into an interim time. Uh, I've had that experience. But this is a great team. And I believe that God has placed them here for such a time as this. Uh, I also want to encourage the church as that new pastor, that new lead pastor comes, you opened up your hearts and embraced me. And that just opened doors for ministry. I want to encourage you to just open up your hearts and make room in your hearts for that new pastor that's coming in here. That takes time. It doesn't happen in a night. It takes time for that to happen. But I just want to encourage that uh, because, again, this is, this is not about human personalities, ultimately. This is about the Lord and his church, and that's the long arc of history, okay? of the kingdom of God. And then the final thing is, I just wanna thank each of you sincerely. Each of you, you've added to my life with your friendship, your example of Christ, and the uniqueness of who each of you are. You've contributed to my life. We have journeyed together, as Jill said, through times of joy. We have served together, we've worshiped, we've learned, we've prayed, we've seen people come to know Jesus, be baptized, we've celebrated weddings, We've celebrated baby dedications. I've got to see a whole generation. We've got to see a whole generation of kids grow up. That's a privilege. I'm grateful for that. And we've also come through times of sorrow that have touched us as a church family. There have been illness and crisis and loss of loved ones uh, whom we're going to see again on the resurrection day. But that pain hurts. And there have been crushed dreams and, and wrestling with the curveballs of life. We've all come through that, and God has been with us. And in all of these years, you've shown Jill and I great love, and, uh, and now our role is changing, but you remain in our hearts, and you have imprinted memories upon us that we will carry with us and talk over and over and over again about until the day of the resurrection, though we do plan to see you before that day, okay? <laughs> many, many times. And uh, so uh, our friendship remains, and, uh, and we're just very grateful. And then there's only other one, thing, one other thing I was just going to ask you to remember, okay, and that's this. Please continue to pray for the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, even, even you White Sox fans, okay, and I'll pray for the Sox, okay, all right. Uh, or, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church family. Lord, may your spirit rest upon this church family uh, in greater and greater ways and add to this family, Lord, people that are living in in, in the surrounding communities who today don't even know you. I pray that through this church and many other churches, that I pray that as far as our responsibility goes in this church, that your spirit will help us to be missionaries in our community, in our workplaces, so that others can come to know the grace of of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we give you praise for these things, and we thank you for these things. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.